This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Craig Kopp, reporting that the maps have left the building. The state capitol, that is. Log the board and record the vote. Of course, the maps have some traveling to do. Over to the state Supreme Court. 37 yeas, zero nays, Mr. President. So the bill passes, and senators, just for, you know, what I would like to say is, is really just thank you to this body for the professionalism we brought to um, this process this year on, on redistricting. The Florida Legislative Black Caucus thinks Black History Month's a good time to point out that few people know about the legislation they have proposed. We recognize that legislation that's been sponsored by black lawmakers built upon those achievements and aimed at solving the most pressing issues that Floridians struggle with today somewhat remains largely bottlenecked in committees. And one issue that a lot of legislators have talked about when in opposition to things like anti-woke bills is the affordable housing crisis. We need to create an affordable housing system that includes both apartments and homes for sale um, that works for working people here. We'll go in-depth on affordable housing with UF's Schimberg Center for Housing Studies. But first... The Florida Senate has unanimously approved legislative redistricting maps. The Senate voted on combined House and Senate maps in one bill and approved them 37 to nothing. So now what? The legislative districts will enter into the process outlined by Article 3, Section 16 of the Florida Constitution. The Attorney General will have 15 days to file a petition with the Florida Supreme Court for declaratory judgment determining the validity of the apportionment. Within 30 days, the court will enter its judgment. The court has issued an initial scheduling order, which was sent out on January 31st. The order requires parties opposing the validity of the apportionment plans to file their briefs or comments on the fifth day after the Attorney General files the petition. Parties supporting the validity of the apportionment plans must file their briefs or comments on the 10th day after the Attorney General files the petition. Senate President Wilton Simpson even tried to joke about the court review as he congratulated legislators for voting the maps out. We can and should be very proud of the work we've done here today, and um, now we'll see if the courts are as equally as proud. (laughs) And remember, there's another party who's gone to the Supreme Court for advice on redistricting. Governor Ron DeSantis has asked the court for an advisory opinion about the legality of changing the design of a North Florida congressional district that has elected Al Lawson, a black Democrat. Simpson was asked about the governor's involvement in a post-session meetup with the press. I think if the court decides to make an opinion, then um, we certainly um, will take that under advisement. Um, you know, there's, there's three branches here, right, that we're dealing with uh, between the House and the Senate legislature the governor's office because the governor can veto or sign in particular the congressional map and in the court system. So if the court decides to weigh in, it's something we certainly would take under consideration. The Florida Legislative Black Caucus has some legislation they'd like you to hear about because, says Democratic Senator Bobby Powell, they certainly can't get them into a committee for a true hearing. Now, next week, of course, marks the halfway point of the 2022 legislative session. And the time is ironic. It comes during of course, Black History Month, a celebration of the many groundbreaking contributions that black Americans have made to our state, our country, and our economy. But while we do applaud the past, 
We recognize that legislation that's been sponsored by black lawmakers built upon those achievements and aimed at solving the most pressing issues that Floridians struggle with today somewhat remains largely bottlenecked in committees. Every piece of our legislation touches Floridians' lives in ways that are meaningful and practical and long overdue. We as a Florida Legislative Black Caucus believe that every Floridian deserves the right to be healthy, safe, prosperous, proud, and to deal with the issues related to redistricting. The Legislative Black Caucus says legislation dealing with everything from health care to banning citizens' arrests to decriminalizing marijuana and other drugs and elections reform have so far not made it to a committee hearing. Democratic Senator Chevron Jones said instead the legislation is focusing on things like banning critical race theory. But that's not what he calls it. Let's imagine a Florida that exists where all of these issues that my colleagues just spoke about were actually moving within the legislature. But rather than that, the quote-unquote free state of Florida is doing everything other than that. Realizing that right now within the legislature that was going through this process, trying to ban, I'm not going to call it critical race theory, I'm going to call it banning black history, and trying to rewrite it. And knowing that we can't change the past, but we can correct the systemic historical trauma and focus on a future that's based on equity by leveraging momentum built around the celebration and pride of our history. This apparent ban on black history is a dangerous attempt to, we know, is to whitewash and to rewrite our history. But the truth is, you can't rewrite what we've been through. You can't rewrite what our ancestors have been through because the facts are the facts. And let's be clear that this is not even a real issue. It's an issue that across the country and in the state of Florida that my Republican colleagues have made to totally bury over the issues that we should be focusing on, like the rent hike that's in all of our district. The topic of rising rents and the lack of affordable housing has been mentioned this session by a lot of legislators, but mostly when they are opposing legislation, they say is taking attention away from the problem. And U.S. Schimberg Center for Housing Studies says the problem is very serious and getting worse. Sunrise talked with Ann Ray of the center's Florida Housing Data Clearinghouse. In Florida, um, both coming into the pandemic and then continuing during this time, we've had an increasing number of people, particularly lower income renters who are paying more than they can afford for their housing. Um, We typically talk about housing being affordable if it costs no more than 30% of income. And in Florida, over half of our renters pay more than that amount for their housing. Um, And that's especially true for people who are working in our service industries, people who are making under the state median wage, which is about $18 an hour, um, seniors on fixed income, people with disabilities, people with limited incomes. We've seen um, housing costs in the state, both for owners and renters, over the years rise much faster than incomes and wages are rising. And so there's a growing gap between what jobs pay or what things like social security benefits pay and what people need to be paying for their housing. So if someone in a renter situation, the landlord decides they're going to take their complex and turn it, I don't know, into condominiums because they could sell them in this market at a a real profit and they're forced to go looking for rent that is similar to what they've been paying, 
they're having a very hard time if they can do it at all, right? Yeah, I mean, rents were already increasing in the state. And then in this last year in some of our markets, especially around Tampa and Miami, um, some in the west coast of Florida, rents have gone up as much as 20, 30 percent or more. And those lower income renters are also competing with a lot of higher income renters that have come into the state. You know, there's young professionals who are forming households for the first time. There's people moving into the state. And so everybody's competing for a pretty limited supply of affordable rental units. Is the skyrocketing price of housing, whether you're buying or renting, you said it started before the pandemic, I was getting somewhat of an idea that it really took off, you know, during and after the pandemic. What's causing this? Um, so there's this growing gap between wages and what housing costs. Home prices and rents have been going up in Florida for several years. Um, and wages have not grown at the same pace. And in fact, when we looked at home sales, around 2019, 2020, we saw that adjusted for inflation, home prices are back to about where they were in sort of the early boom years, 2004, 2005. So after a time when there was a larger supply of relatively affordable homes available, home prices have gone up. And of course that has a ripple effect in the, rent, effect in the rental market, because that means that people who might have moved out of rental units and into home ownership can't do that. So now there are fewer rental units available as well, and those low vacancies are pushing rents up. Yeah, I was. I guess I was kind of remembering. Uh, there's just no housing stock now, and the new housing kind of came to a grinding halt during the pandemic. So that's one reason there's not enough, you know, inventory on the shelf. But you're saying that there's. It's also caused by people who can't afford to buy a house, and so they stay in the rental properties, and there there aren't enough rental properties. That's right. And also, there are a lot of people who um, have professional jobs who may have done pretty well during the pandemic financially um, who are competing for those same units. But you said this started before the pandemic. What could have been done to make it less severe than it is right now? I think we need to invest in affordable homes, both for renters and for homeowners. So Florida's state housing trust fund, the Sadowski funds have given us a way to do that. So when we put money into the Sadowski funds, that way there's funding available, both for affordable rental units, multifamily housing, um, which is um, made affordable and reserved for people at lower incomes, including again, a lot of the wages that our lower paid service jobs pay. So retail sales, um, cashiers, people working in food service, in hotels, customer service reps, our state housing trust fund funds affordable rental units for those folks. They also pass a lot of funding along to county and local governments where they can provide affordable rental housing, but in particular, home ownership assistance, including down payment assistance. So when we get assistance out both to construct housing and also to help people um, to buy that first home, to get over the hump into home ownership, then that eases the pressure on the market. The Sadowski Fund, that, that money comes from the state? Yeah, that's the state's housing trust fund. It um, was created in 1992, and it's paid for by a tax on dock stamp transactions, so on real estate transactions. And so that's... That should be uh, there's enough real estate transactions, it seems to me, happening right now that the, the fund ought to be getting quite a bit of money. The state legislature.
legislature has to allocate the funds. So that'll be part of the process going on right now. What do you say to somebody who says, yeah, well, that's all well and good, but I have to be out of my apartment at the end of March and I can't find one thing that I can afford? Um, so first of all, you know, I have just enormous sympathy for people who have been placed in this situation. It was tough before and the pandemic's making it even tougher. Um, I would advise people and sometimes we do get, you know, even though we're a research institution at, at UF, um, sometimes people find out, find us one way or another um, who are in real need of housing assistance. Often it's somebody who says, I have a disability, I'm moving to Florida to be near my children, or I have to be out of my apartment soon, can you help? What we suggest people do is they immediately contact um, the housing department of their county or in the larger cities, their cities, to see if there's any kind of emergency assistance available. There is emergency rental assistance that has been made available because of the pandemic. And if people can get through that process with their landlords, they can often prevent an eviction and pay off back rent. But I will say, though, for people who are looking on this market right now, with how little is available and with some of the really high rent increases we're seeing in individual complexes, it's tough. You know, there's something out of kilter here. Uh, We're hearing how everybody's moving to Florida because Florida's this or Florida's that. Now, a lot of those people are going to end up, well, I I can't say that. I don't know that for sure. But, you know, a lot of the people in Florida work in industries you just mentioned, hospitality, that sort of thing. They don't make high wages. So we're very proud of the fact that everybody's moving here, but we got nowhere to put them. Yeah, it's a, you know, and in good times and in bad, for decades now, people have always moved to Florida because of that lure of the sunshine, because of the lure of the economy. And we need to create an affordable housing system that includes both apartments and homes for sale um, that works for working people here. Other than doing an interview like this, if you had your dream, how would you see this getting the kind of attention that it it might really deserve, but it's not getting? You know, the funny thing is, I think it is. Um, And I guess, you know, there can always be more, I suppose. But I feel like I've been working with the Schimberg Center for 20 years now. And I would say the last three or four there's been more attention paid to this issue, particularly at the local level, um, than I'd seen in the years before that. Um, And in particular, counties are starting to step up to the plate and create affordable housing trust funds to work locally. So Hillsborough County has one, Orange County, um, Pinellas County has its Pennies for Pinellas program where they're devoting local resources to affordable housing. So I, I think it's become a political issue now in a lot of local campaigns um, for city and county commission. So I think the issue actually is starting to get a lot of public attention. Well, thank you for that ray of sunshine. Some good news in the midst of all this. Anne Ray of the Schimberg Center for Housing Studies, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Here's some of what's happening in Florida politics today. There's only one scheduled meeting this Friday morning. The House Congressional Redistricting Subcommittee meets at 9. Also, the Florida Board of Nursing will meet this morning in Osceola County. On Saturday and Sunday, Senator Annette Tadeo, who's running to be the Democratic candidate for governor, 
will be resuming her 67-county Believe Tour. This will be the second weekend of that tour. She'll start Saturday in Martin County, Palm Beach County, Broward County, and then there are two stops in Miami-Dade County on Sunday. And finally, TV viewing in Tallahassee and Palm Beach can be, shall we say, a little different. That's because the Lincoln Project thinks that's where Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and former President Donald Trump might be watching. The Lincoln Project has been baiting Trump with satirical ads since he was still in office. A new one, which ends its two-day run today, purports to clue the former president in on how Republican leaders don't respect him. If you don't live in those markets or watch Fox News, here's the ad. Even though you are not its target audience of one. Donald, they just don't respect you. They never did. Or fear you. They used to. Now, they're in a conspiracy against you. after you. Ron DeSantis just dissed you on a podcast run by wealthy super lobbyist Josh Holmes, Mitch McConnell's top strategist. If that was a threat earlier, I would have been much louder. (laughs) You remember Mitch and Josh. You're in charge. They've been plotting to get rid of you. You're in (laughs) charge. To take the GOP away from you. You are irrelevant. To control rhino candidates loyal only to them. They're humiliating you. All while raising millions using your name. Their money now. And DeSantis? Usurper. He begged for your help. Like a dog. But now he wants to be president. Betraying you. And he's coming for you. Coming for you. It's sad, Donald. You were never one of them. So much contempt. So sad. So much disrespect. You embarrassed them. So much laughter behind your back. (laughs) They didn't take their party back. (laughs) It was theirs the whole time. I'm standing in your way. Florida Politics reports that last comment from DeSantis was him talking a while back about Joe Biden. That's it for today's edition of Sunrise. I'm Craig Kopp. Join us again Monday as we do another daily dive into Florida politics. 